Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Let's talk about the TAOM. That's the Texas Association of Magicians. This episode of Tales from the Fantastic Magic Center is number 61, and it should be published at 8 o'clock in the morning Central Standard Time on Monday, September 4th, 2023, which is, in fact, Labor Day, and it happens to be the last day of the TAOM convention in Houston this year. But TAOM and Labor Day all mean a lot to me in particular. Here's the story. On Labor Day weekend in 1944, a magician and pharmacist and fascinating dude named Herman Jurger in Austin was sad that there were no magic clubs currently there, and so he hosted on a piece of property that he owned a large picnic for magicians, their families, and friends. And that was 1944. It was the start of what would become the Texas Association of Magicians. But it was more than that. On Labor Day, 1944, September 4th, my future wife, Margot Grandjean, was born. So the two loves of my life, Magic and Margot, were both born on Labor Day, September 4th, 1944. Now, the Texas Association of Magicians as an entity didn't actually happen until a couple years later. 1946, I believe, was when it was officially chartered, and it has been going on and going strong ever since. The TAOM is an interesting organization. It's basically a confederation of Texas magic clubs. The TAOM itself is just a, like a holding company for all of the various magic clubs around the state of Texas. Every year on Labor Day weekend, it's still the tradition, one of those Texas magic clubs will host an annual convention. It goes from one city to another, and over the years, many cities have had it. I've been to the TAOM convention in Corpus Christi and Lubbock and other towns, but these days it's usually in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, or Austin. Of course, Austin is the one where I live. But my first TAOM convention was in 1960. I lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was 17 years old, high school student at Baton Rouge High School. Go Bulldogs! And I was a magician. I was doing magic shows. I loved magic, and I got uh, advertising in the mail from the Texas Association of Magicians, and I saw that they were having a teenage show. So I wrote to them, yes, for you young people, that means actually writing a letter and uh, putting a stamp on it and mailing it. I wrote to them and said, hey, I'm a teenage magician. Could I be in your show? They said yes, and the rest, as they say, is history. I've talked about this particular story before, but to summarize here, I did my regular magic show, which included the rope trick, and just a few weeks ago we had an entire episode about the rope trick, and quite a few episodes ago we had a whole episode about various other aspects of the TAOM and that convention. But as I have said before, I actually won the teenage trophy. 
It was a little tiny loving cup of the kind that you might buy at a Hallmark store for the world's greatest dad or a bowling trophy or a golf trophy or something like that. But it was my first trophy. And the odd thing about it was I didn't even know there was a contest. It was just one of those uh, interesting things where John Mooring, a better known teenage magician than me, was winning the big trophy every year. But the TAOM evaluated all of the other performers, gave out their own trophies. I still have the 1960 TAOM Teen Trophy. My friend Louis Berkey, King of the Wooden Nickels, whom I have also talked about quite a bit in the past, was there. I know that because I have a picture of me with him, my parents, of course, and it was an amazing experience for me. And I thought, well, if they're having a contest, I'm going to put together a real contest show. And for 1961, I actually put together two shows. One was a magic show, which I knew would win the trophy, and the other was a juggling show. And there weren't that many jugglers around back in the early 1960s. This was bungling and juggling, which I've talked about with my brother Carter. I thought we had a good chance to win that. Well, I did a really good magic show in the teen contest. My beautiful assistant was Dina Lister, a uh, young daughter of my friend Jojo the Clown, Glidden Lister, family friends, and I think we did a really good job, but we didn't win. The teen trophy that year was won by the Britton brothers, and little Tommy Britton wound up later on falling in love with Dina Lister. They have now been married for half a century or more. So it's interesting how our early lives turn out later on, and Tom and Dina are among my very best friends, even though I didn't win the trophy. But then Carter and I did our bungling juggling routine, and there was only one other juggler who performed. The other juggler was Bob Blau, an older gentleman who everyone at the TAOM knew and loved. He had been very nice to me, a mentor in many ways, certainly a better juggler than either myself or my brother. But we felt like the cute new team of jugglers, the bungling jugglers, had a good chance at winning. But we didn't win that trophy either because the judges decided they weren't going to give away a trophy because you had to have three contestants in order to award the trophy, and they only had two. Still, it was a wonderful convention. I had a great time, and my path to becoming a magician continued without any serious interruptions. In fact, in 1961, I actually did win a trophy, but it was at the SEAM convention, the Southeastern Association of Magicians in Birmingham, Alabama. And if I haven't told that story before, I'll tell it again some other time. In this episode, I'm talking about the TAOM. My life continued. My family moved to Baton Rouge in 1955, and I met Margot Grandjean probably the day after Labor Day, because that's when school starts, which means she had just turned 11. We were not instant friends, but by 1965, when we both graduated from LSU, we were more than friends. We were engaged, and we got married, and she became the most important part of my life. That was 6565. I spent 11 years on Army active duty and then stayed in the reserves. 
and the whole military magic experience is another podcast episode sometime soon. By 1983, I was active again with the TAOM, and I became the actual president and therefore convention chairman. That was, as I told many people, a dream come true and my wildest nightmare, because it's hard to run a major convention. Back then, the three biggest conventions, the International Brotherhood of Magicians, the Society of American Magicians, and the Texas Association of Magicians all had more than a thousand people come into their conventions. These days, it's more like two or three hundred. The entire world has changed and COVID changed it even more. But back then, I think we had over 1,200 people at my convention. Scott Wells, who, by the way, has his own wonderful podcast called the Magic Word Podcast. Scott Wells wrote it up for Genie Magazine and said that it was a really wonderful convention, and I agreed with him completely. But there were lots of stories about it, and by then, Margot was already annoyed that she had to always spend her birthday at a magic convention. You see, she is not a magician, and although she loves a magician, she doesn't necessarily love magic. So I made sure that we had a special celebration, and over the years, she has frequently said that the TAOM convention wasn't as much fun for her because I typically would leave her to take care of the kids, and I would just go off and do the magic that I loved so much. Still, it has been a tradition. It makes sense, since the TAOM and Margot were both born on the same day in 1944. I'm recording this episode in 2023, in uh, the latter part of August, so I will be going to the TAOM convention in Houston very soon. As you can imagine, I record these a little before they're actually published, and I, and I won't have time to create an episode while I'm at the convention. So the episode that you're hearing now, starting on Labor Day 2023, is uh, about the history of TAOM and my involvement in it. It's not about the current convention, and that makes sense as well. But there's one more thing I'd like to tell you about, and that's something that we're going to discuss and have interesting meetings about and do some planning at this year's convention, and that's the Texas Magic Center. You see, after more than a decade of half-hearted attempts, I believe that the time is right for a Texas Magic Center. Now, you've heard of the Magic Castle in Hollywood. You may even know in London of the Magic Circle. There are wonderful magic places in New York and in Las Vegas, David Copperfield has his so-called secret uh, museum, which is absolutely amazing. And there are, I think as I record this, something like 20 different magic shows all going on in Las Vegas right now. But what about Texas? Mark Wilson was a Texas boy. Blackstone went to the University of Texas, as did Walter Blaney and Bev Bergeron. And if you're a magician, these are names you know and love. Texas has a marvelous magic history, and we need a permanent location where we can celebrate that history and have fascinating events that uh, attract the general public and help teach everybody about the wonderful history of magic. And it's that wonderful history of magic that first inspired me to start these podcast episodes, now in our second year. I hope you're enjoying them. I hope you go back and listen to some of the early ones. 
I'll talk about something else next week. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com. Kent cannot preserve the secret legacy of magic without your support. Start today by going to fantasticmagiccenter.com and clicking the red Join Our Patreon button.